DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life. What am I to do? The discernment of God's will in everyday decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. Discerning God's will. Boy, that's the challenge that we all face today, isn't it? I think anyone who who loves the Lord and for mm. whom faith is important, sooner or later, and I'd say sooner rather than later, addresses this question, how can I know in the variety of choices that I face in life, in this specific choice, how can I know what God wants? I want to do what God wants, but I need help to discern, to use Ignatius' word, St. Ignatius' word, what it is that God wants in this situation. And that's where our conversation had gone the, the last time we were speaking. And mm-hmm. we looked at a variety of these. When the choice is between a good thing and a bad thing, it's very clear that God always wants what is good and never wants what is ev- evil or bad. And whenever there's any question about what is really good or bad in a given choice, we always look to the teaching of the, of the church where we have the the clarity or the assurance that following that teaching, we're going to be following the will of of God, obviously. Then we looked at a series of choices in which the choice now becomes uh, a choice between a good thing and a good thing. And in some of these situations, the duties of our state of life, marriage or for me, priesthood and religious life, whatever our state in life is, gives us the criterion that we need for the choice. God always wills fidelity to the duties of our state of life and additional good things, if they are consistent with that and don't take us away from that, can also be things that God is asking of us. But that's how we would discern in those situations. We use the example of a woman who is talented in singing, has three small children, and is asked to lead the Holy Week singing in her parish. And that's how she would discern that according to the duties of her state of life as a wife and a mother. And finally, we had gotten to what I call the small daily choices. Uh, And we have many of these every day of our lives. And if we really want Jesus to be Lord in our lives, as St. Paul says, Jesus is Lord. And we want that to be real in the, not just in the big choices, but in the hours of every day, so that he is Lord of everything in our lives. Then the small daily choices that we make uh, take on a different perspective. What is it? What is the Father's will? What is your will, Lord? So that I can do that in each of these choices. Let's say, for example, that a woman is aware that there's a small but a real tension with a friend of hers. And she finds herself wondering whether she should try to call her friend today just to say hello in the hopes that the phone call might provide an opportunity to resolve the tension. What is the Lord's will? How can she discern in a case like this? 
obviously we don't have we can't go make a retreat you know for this kind of decision these are the the small quick daily decisions that we need to make the first thing would be to turn to to lift her heart to the lord in prayer who promises us that if we ask we will receive and ask the lord for guidance and light in this decision then what she would do is review the factors involved um, maybe she's tried this in the past and she has some experience of whether this really helps or whether she knows it might be too soon yet for that kind of phone call, or that there's another setting in which she'll be in contact with her friend that might actually be a better setting to resolve whatever the small tension might be. So she'll review the the various factors involved. She'll make her best decision, be at peace with that, follow it through, and then ideally later on review the experience and learn from it. A similar case, a man who... Uh, says hello to a friend of his after Mass on Sunday. As they're leaving, they meet and uh, say hello. And the thought occurs to him whether he might invite his friend to a talk on prayer that's going to be given on Wednesday evening in the parish. And he wonders whether this is really the right time and the right thing. Should he mention this to his friend or not? What does God will? And the situation is similar to that of the woman that we just described again. Probably very quickly in his heart, he'll just lift his heart to the Lord in prayer, quickly review the situation, make his best decision, follow it through, be at peace with that, and then later review and learn. Perhaps he felt that the Lord was asking him to invite his friend to the talk on Wednesday, does so, and it turns out to be a real time of grace, or it turns out to have been too soon, perhaps for his friend who is maybe just getting closer to the Lord gradually after some time away, so that he'll learn from the experience. Really, what we're talking about here is the what St. Thomas Aquinas calls the virtue of prudence. And that is, in a given situation, when we seek a certain end or a certain good, the virtue of prudence is the virtue by which we gradually grow in the, the wisdom to see what is the best means to that end the best way to promote that good or that goal that we have in mind. And the virtue of prudence normally grows with experience uh, as we go through life. But we grow all the more quickly in the virtue of prudence if we live what we've called in other conversations the examined spiritual life. And that would get to what we call the examined prayer, the classic examination of conscience, so that daily we are reviewing the spiritual experience of the day and learning from it. The process of learning and growth in discerning God's will in these small daily choices grows much more quickly. Our capacity to discern the Lord's will in these many small daily decisions develops all the more quickly when we are living the examined spiritual life. And then maybe uh, one final instance of this. Here is a woman who wonders whether she should go shopping today or tomorrow. How does she discern? What? How is Jesus going to be Lord in this choice in her life? And she would do something of the same. Lift up her heart in prayer to the Lord. Review the factors, what she needs to get done today, the time that she has available. All the various concrete factors involved, family needs, needs of work. Make her best decision, her wisest decision according to the virtue of prudence. Be at peace with that, follow it through, and ideally review and learn from that. Now, in what we've just talked about, in our first conversation in this, we've really already answered 
the question as to how we discern God's will in most of the choices we face in life, because most of them are uh, possibly choices between something that is good and something that is bad, and we have clarity that the Lord always wants us to choose what is good, what is faithful to the duties of our state in life, and then most of the choices we make are these small daily choices. There, I'll quote um, just a couple of sentences from one of the many books of Father Rainiero Cantalamesa, the papal preacher, a Franciscan priest, has a wonderful preacher and wonderful writing. And uh, he, he addresses this question, supposing he says, I have to decide whether to make a trip or not, or whether I should do this task or not do it, whether I should visit someone or not visit someone, whether I should buy this particular item or should not. First of all, we turn to prayer. We submit the question to God. We empty ourselves, he says, of our own will and give God the chance to intervene in our lives. And then says this, the true servant of God, which is what we all want to be, undertakes nothing without saying to himself, I must first pray a little to know what my Lord wants of me, which is a beautiful image of our daily lives as Christians. We undertake nothing without first saying to ourselves, I must pray a little to know what my Lord wants of me. And then he goes on to say, the will of God thus penetrates one's existence more and more, making it more precious and rendering it, in the words of Romans 12, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. When I'm asked to speak about discerning God's will, I often come back to this quotation, and I put it in the book, actually, uh, in a footnote in the book. And the more I read this and the more I say these words, the more attractive this image of life as a Christian becomes. That any time I face any choice at all as I go through the day, I just pray a little bit first to know what the Lord wants. So that the choice is not simply a human person trying to make, what would you say, smart decisions, you know, um, Uh effective decisions, which is a good thing. And we obviously should never do less than that. But we can live our daily choices with a whole additional richness on the level of faith. So that as I do that, go through that brief process of deciding, I begin that with prayer. It's all bathed in prayer. And it's a conscious seeking of the Lord's will. Which then, as Father Cantalamesa says, that will of God penetrates our existence more and more, making our lives more precious and rendering them a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Romans 12, 1. That's quite a paradigm Father Gallagher, for many of us, because we think, now why would God care about the little decisions? Why would he even, why would that even be a concern for him? Mm -hmm. It's an important question, and I'm I'm glad you've raised that, Chris. I think the clearest answer to that is just to get to know the life of Jesus. He's our model in everything. And Mm -hmm. in the Gospels, and especially in the Gospel of John, You see Jesus telling us that he never does anything simply on his own account, but he always does the will of the Father. Whatever he says, he says as the Father has given him to say, wherever he goes, whatever he does, every choice he makes throughout the years of his life leading up finally to his passion, death, and resurrection, 
and the saving work, his work of redemption of the world, everything is consciously done as a yes to the Father's will. He, he seeks the Father's will in everything, so much so that his life is summed up in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And we're told there that coming into the world, Jesus said, Behold, I come to do your will. From the beginning to the last moment of his life on earth, everything in Jesus' life is a seeking and a following the, the will of his Father. And the infinitely rich fruitfulness of that is, is, is very clear. If our God is a God who can say that even the hairs on our head are counted, and not a sparrow falls to the ground without your heavenly Father's knowing it, I think it's very, very clear that the Lord's love, the Lord's plan in our lives is not remote. It's not something that only touches our life life in a few peak moments when we discern our vocation, for example. But it's a living constant thing. And there is a joy and a peace and a delight in living the way Father Cantalamesa says, so that our life becomes more and more precious more and more a living sacrifice, more and more holy and acceptable to God. Our whole existence is penetrated increasingly by the will of the Father, and we live increasingly the way Jesus lived. You know that feeling of when you try on a glove and it fits just perfectly? You know? uh-huh. Or when after travels you walk back into your home and you're, you're in the right place again. Or when you return to that task that you love and, and everything feels so, so right, so fitting the way it should be. That's what happens in our spiritual lives when, like Jesus, we make the will of the Father the guiding touchstone of everything that we do in our lives. I think basically the answer to that question is that God loves us so much that his love is present in the great things and in the small things in every aspect of our lives, inviting us, leading us to what will make us happiest, even in those small things, and make our lives most fruitful for others, make us instruments of his saving work in the world, as we're all called to be. Oftentimes it will surprise us, won't it, Father Gallagher? I mean, when you live that type of asking uh, before you make a decision, whether it's to run over here or to do this activity, sometimes... You might be surprised that the answer is yes or that it's no. That's true. And what is what will what surprises us is that those prayers are are, are really answered. I will be forever grateful to a spiritual director who patiently insisted with me over a number of years when I would wonder what is God's will in this particular decision or choice that I need to make. And some of these would be fairly significant things and some would be much smaller daily kinds of things, and who just patiently kept inviting me to pray about it, take it to prayer. And I'd say maybe after a couple of years, by the Lord's grace, it started to sink in that this is real, that this makes a difference. And I would begin to experience um, sitting in prayer before the Lord and lifting up these questions and beginning to, to find that, not always immediately, but a point would eventually come when I would have the clarity that I would need so that with peace in my heart I could go forward in the particular choice. So I, I think the most surprising thing in a way for us, if I can use that word, of our faith mm-hmm. is that this is very, very real. That there is a world of difference between any one of us simply as a human person trying to make 
the best decisions that we can pretty much on our own in doing that and facing the same decision but first lifting our hearts in prayer to God so that now it's two of us together and it's the human person seeking light and wisdom from the divine um, and asking that of the Lord and finding our clarity through that prayer. Now, as I said earlier, the prayer never dis- never dispenses us from rev- concretely reviewing the factors involved in the decision. That's St. Thomas's review, or St. Thomas's virtue of prudence. The first thing we do, he says, is we t- what he calls take counsel, which means exactly this. We review all the factors that, that uh, are involved, so that if this man is deciding whether to invite his friend to the talk in the parish on Wednesday, he'll look at the various factors involved. Is his friend overwhelmed with activity right now so that this just isn't the right time? Is his friend's family going through a time of some particular pressure so that, again, it wouldn't be the right time? Is his friend just now beginning to come to Mass on Sunday? And that's still a huge step for him so that it would be too soon to ask a second step of him. Or would this be the right time? Has he grown enough in that step and his life is unpressured enough so that this could be the right time? We always need to do that uh, as uh, on our way to making the decisions. But mm-hmm. if, if we do this consciously as a disciple of the Lord, as children of our Heavenly Father, so that the request is begun and carried through in prayer, then uh, uh, the marvelous thing, surprise, to use uh, that, that word, which is the right one, uh, will be that we'll find that increasingly we have the clarity and the light that we need in these decisions in our lives. And that's a marvelous thing. That's um, Dante's famous line, in your will is our peace, as we live more and more in that will, and that kind of peace increases. Father Gallagher, you've done such a beautiful job in helping us to kind of begin to till the soil here by making the smaller decisions. What about those really big ones that keep us up at night sometimes? Mm. These are the ones that really, I think, we most have in mind when we speak about discerning God's will. Although that discerning God's will is a way of life, as we've been saying, it can become that in in a very beautiful way. But what we most have in mind, I think, and where we most wonder where there's a book that can help me or someone I can talk to, is when we face the big decisions, uh, as you say, Chris. So let's approach this too through an example. Uh, This is uh, a real example. I'll call him Robert. And he describes how he grew up a solidly Catholic family, which always had a great reverence for the priesthood. He had an uncle who was a priest and whom he admired. He was kind of a wisdom figure for, for Robert. And he would serve Mass for him in the years when he was growing up. And from time to time, as he went through grade school, he would see priests and think that might be a great thing to do, without thinking a great deal about it, just an occasional thought. Reached his college years, and during his college years, started going to daily Mass. Uh, And this is already something that we're going to come back to. But um, if we are discerning and need light, it's hard to think of anything better to do than to get as close as we're able to the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Because the Eucharist is Christ who is the light of the world. And the closer we get to the Eucharist, the more light we're going to have. And it was when he started going to daily Mass that for the first time he began to wonder in a deeper way about a possible call to the priesthood. And in addition to going to 
uh, Mass daily, he also began making visits to the Blessed Sacrament in the college chapel. And that's where the pull toward priesthood began in his heart. He began spending an hour before the Blessed Sacrament in the evening and loved the peace and the serenity that he was experiencing and found himself saying that um, whatever this is, I, I want this. And if this means being a priest, then that's something that I'll be open to do. Now, there was still there was a struggle going on in his heart because in his years in high school, especially, everything had not been right. There'd been uh, partying and drinking and some drugs and so on. And things were getting better this way, but it was still a struggle. And as he began to think about the priesthood, he began to wonder about whether he really was called to live the, the celibate life that is part of priesthood. In his second year in college, he started dating a young woman whom I'll call Helen. Um, and really both of them fell deeply in love with each other. Uh, the way he says it was, she, she blew my horizons into eternity. I could, mm. I could see endless possibilities of life with Helen. Um, I would have given my life for her. And sometimes in the evening when he was before the Blessed Sacrament praying, she'd be in the chapel too. And he would find himself saying to the Lord, Lord, the, the love I have for you and for Helen are, are one. They're the same thing. They got very close together. It was a very chaste relationship. And as they reached their junior year, began speaking seriously about marriage. And then um, a struggle began for Robert because as close as they had gotten, something in him felt that if she really knew everything about me, all the partying and the drinking and so on, that she might not want this kind of relationship with me. But the struggle was that at the same time as the possibility of marriage with Helen was becoming more and more real, at the same time, the idea of priesthood was becoming also more and more real. Different people were mentioning to him that, just asking if he'd ever thought of being a priest. And one day while all of this was going on, he had lunch with the priest who was the college chaplain. And he liked him. Uh, the priest seemed very real and seemed happy in his life as a priest. And in that conversation, the the chaplain told him that he thought Robert would make a good priest and he really ought to consider it. Mm -hmm. And now Robert found himself in a, in a real struggle. Uh, with both of these vocations in life becoming very real for him and very real possibilities in his life. Finally, he told Helen that they would just need to be friends while he considered this. And it was very hard for both of them. She And she knew, she understood that he needed to um, come to more clarity about priesthood. He finished his uh, college years and began teaching. And it was for during his first year outside of college that he was in conversation with a friend of his who told him that he really, he really needed to do something, that he'd been on a, a marriage priesthood seesaw now for, some, for two or three years. And, and at that point, Robert said to himself, yes, he, he's right. It really is time for me to face this question. Now, we'll stop the, the story at that point because I want to focus the question. Now we have a situation which is different than any of those we've considered thus, thus far. Uh -huh. Clearly, both options are good. Both are wonderful callings, which the church esteems highly. Both are pathways in life through which a person can live the call to holiness. And this is a situation in which the person choosing is free to choose either option. It's, it's different with the woman, for example, who is choosing between the duties of her state of life as a wife and mother and 
a talent for singing which could be exercised in the parish. In this case, the decision is precisely the state in life so that the person is free to choose either, and we're dealing with a choice of major significance. So we have three factors which come together in a specific kind of choice that we can face in life. Options, both of which are good, both of which we are free to choose, and a choice of some significance. And this is the specific issue in discerning God's will that Ignatius is discussing in his spiritual exercises. All right, let's take a second example of this kind of choice. This is Brian and Lisa. They've been married for several years, have three children. And Brian has been working in finance for a number of years. And increasingly, as recent years have gone by, has found himself drawn to serving in his work in a more direct way. And the thought of becoming a doctor has arisen in his mind. And as his life of faith has been deepening in these years, the question of becoming a doctor has arisen more and more in his mind. He and Lisa have spoken together about this, and both of them feel that he can do it. But they both know that if he does do it, it's going to make some mean some real sacrifices for his wife Lisa during the years that he'll be in medical school. And it's several months now that he and his wife have been speaking and praying about this. Right. Again, we have this is, um, well, the most significant choice that we're ever going to make in life it is certainly going to be our vocation choice. Having said that, career decisions like this are certainly close to the top in the significant choices that we're going to make in our life. So again, we have the same three factors in a discernment that Brian and Lisa face. Both options are good, remaining in finance, serving as a doctor. Brian is free to choose one or the other career, and it's a choice of some significance. In choices like this, like that Robert faces, or like this which Brian and Lisa face, how can the person who loves the Lord and wants to do the Lord's will discern what God's will is? Clearly, none of the criteria that we have enunciated thus far are going to resolve this. It's not a choice between a good and a bad thing and so on. And obviously, we're on a much different level than the small daily choices. Here, we are, we are going to want to process Ideally, there's going to be time to go through a prayerful process which will lead toward the clarity that Robert needs, Brian and Lisa needs, or any one of us needs in facing significant choices. And when we continue our conversations, we'll begin now to explore the process that St. Ignatius offers to the person who faces this kind of choice. It's almost like a prudential cliffhanger that we find ourselves in right now. <laughs> well, in a sense, I suppose that's true because this is all about discerning God's will in a specific choice. So you're right. We're up. We're, the first thing we needed to do, and that's what we've done last time in this, is to clarify the question itself. Mm -hmm. And now that the question is clear, we can move forward with St. Ignatius' answer to it. I can't wait for next week, Father Gallagher. Well, it's always a blessing to share these things. You've been listening to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. 
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.